Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. I am here. Uh, I am your host, Ira Wolf, and I've uh, got my co-host, Keith Campagna. And we're here with Rachel Robertson, um, all the way from Australia. So we're international again. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks for having me, Ira. I'm, I'm in, in, excited and thrilled to be here. Yeah, as we were talking about before, we were giving it a little bit of a, a, a prep. Uh, you've had an interesting journey. One of the few people on the planet that have lived in Antarctica for a while, <laughs> not only live there, but basically uh where you were a station leader there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah so quite an interesting journey uh for for lots of parts one is uh not many people have done it uh it's certainly a rigorous uh journey there but you 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 know so we're going to hear about your i we want to hear about your path getting there uh but then also as a as a woman leader um you know not necessarily the traditional role or the stereotypical leader for for an expedition uh, like that. So, um, so let's talk about, and we're going to talk about a lot of other things just to give people a heads up because uh, uh, you've got a couple books. Uh, I'm going to show it here. You can't see it on the podcast, but your newest book is uh, Respect Trump's Respect Trump's Harmony, uh, which is incredibly relevant. I don't know if you anticipated how relevant <laughs> it was going to be when you wrote that. I know I, I wrote uh, my book, my last book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. The first half has nothing to do with recruiting. It was about uh, change, how fast things are changing. And I talked about technology being the, the catalyst, not a pandemic, um, but so much of it uh, came true. And then your prior book uh, was Leading on the Edge, right? Yeah. So, so but in those, you talk, uh, you know, you talk about a number of things, uh, and we'll get to this after we get, we talk about your journal, but you talk about uh, teams, you know, uh, how many, how many people that are listeners today, I know many of them are, um, all of a sudden either started a new job or got promoted and they were handed 15 or 20 people and they didn't get to select them. Uh, and, you know, how do you manage that? And then certainly what's most relevant today is, is uh, especially, and this is, this is how we got connected. Uh, everybody's on quarantine. Yeah, you were essentially voluntary. <laughs> you were voluntary quarantine going to Antarctica. Uh, but now we're, we're here. And a lot of people are trying to figure this out. And as you and I were talking right before uh, we went on the air, uh, there, you know, there's a new normal. And we don't even know that's a, that what that's going to look like. So let's let's start at the beginning. Um, let's talk about your journey uh, to um, as far south as you can get <laughs> on our planet, and as cold as you can get on our planet. Oh, it was extraordinary, and I'd love to. See- to sit here and say it was a, a deliberate career move, um, but it wasn't. It, it was. Uh, I got. I ended up there accidentally. I uh, I was uh, sitting there one Saturday morning and I was flicking through the newspaper, and I saw I was in the careers section, so the job wanted section, and I saw a picture of a penguin, and I'm I'm like, wow, that's interesting because you don't see penguins in the jobs section very often, <laughs> and that's what caught my eye. And I saw the advertisement for this role of station leader at uh, in Antarctica, and what intrigued me was the Australian Antarctic Division 
actually recruits for qualities and um, things like uh, resilience, integrity and empathy. So you mm. don't actually need to know anything about Antarctica because they figure in three months of training, we can teach you the Antarctic Treaty. We can teach you waste management. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't teach you resilience and we can't teach you empathy. And I saw it and I thought, wow, what a, what a rip away to recruit. What a great way to recruit, to, to recruit people who've got the qualities you need for the job. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm. this is my fiendish plan at the time. I thought, I'm going to apply for this job just to get to the job interview stage so I can find out what the questions are they, they are using mm-hmm. and I can copy the questions and bring them back to my team. Uh, what I know now that I didn't know then, they don't actually have a job interview for the role of station leader. They have a, a boot camp. So it's a week-long boot camp in, in the Central Highlands here in Australia. And I end up on this boot camp, myself and 13 men, competing for this job that I didn't particularly want at that time. And then lo and behold, they ring me and offer me the job. And I thought, you know what, I'd rather regret what I did than regret what I didn't do. And so the whole way I ended up, it was purely an opportunity that came my way. And I thought I would rather do it and regret it and go, oh, what have you done? Than not do it and spend the rest of my life wondering, what if, what if? So it was all completely accidental. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and uh, again, for those uh, in the book, and I can't remember which one it is. You can probably straighten me out here if it was whether leading the edge or, or respect uh, uh, and, and harmony. Uh, but you shared your story about your seasickness. <gasps> Oh my goodness. And I, you know, I thought I'd heard about seasickness, but I didn't realise that um, ice, it's an icebreaker. So we, we sail down, it's two and a half weeks on a ship that is actually an icebreaker. And as I know now, the difference between an icebreaker and a, a regular ship that we see out on the coast uh, is an icebreaker has a rounded hull. So it's actually designed to bobble around and rise up mm-hmm. and down. And that's how it breaks the ice. It hasn't got stabilisers like normal shipping ha- will, will be stabilised. An icebreaker isn't because it's actually designed to bobble around. And what that means <laughs> is you lie in bed and you slide down and hit your feet and you slide down and hit your head and then you pitch from side to side. So it's actually like a washing machine effect um, for two and a half weeks. And I was so determined not to get sick because I was the leader of the expedition. I was really conscious that I was a woman and I was leading all of these men and I thought, please, please, please don't get seasick. Yeah, I got horribly, <laughs> horribly sick. But, I mean, the only thing that helped, the the captain came in to tell me uh, out of the 120 people on board, over 100 were sick because we had 30-foot swell on uh, day two mm-hmm. straight out of Australia. So we're, we're sailing directly into the, the Atlantic, uh, the Antarctic waters, the Southern Ocean, and it's hitting the nose of the boat. And so we were bobbing around worse than normal. So that made me feel a bit better that it wasn't just me. We had a particularly nasty, nasty trip. And and that, what I, I found was interesting, I mean, not that you were seasick, obviously, but uh, I mean, it, w- it was actually the, the way you told the story uh, you know, you had your checklist and things was, was pretty humorous. So I, I, I don't want to spend all the time talking about seasickness, but um, it, it's a very, very easy read. Um, but uh, again, going on that journey, um, you know, to there uh, made it very real. Um, but you also shared, I, I want to go back to, to something you said as far as the selection process, um, because I think there's a lot of lessons for companies. I mean, that's my business. I mean, that's where, uh, my day job. Uh, I spend time, we do pre-employment and leadership tests, and that's what we, you know, we help companies hire better. 
And, you know, we, we don't suggest that an assessment is a substitute for a good interview uh, or on the, you know, an on the job type of scenario. But that's what you did. I mean, that that was the process. Uh, and, and I like your story. You, you shared one part. Um, I'm going to just demonstrate that I did read most of the book. Uh, you talked about that. They never asked you about like your hobbies, um, you, you know, or the people you hung with. Um, they, they basically they, they were trying to figure out um, going back to those traits. Are you kind and compassionate? Um, do, you, do you remember that part of your that part of the book? When you, when you talked about, um, I'm trying to remember who said it. Um, they asked about your hobbies, your drug and alcohol use, uh, the types of people you hung with, and you asked why after work. Oh, I know what it was. You asked why after working for 16 years, you had no assets. <laughs> yeah. They show for your income. And I remember that vividly because the, it was a, a guy who interviewed me over the phone and he asked me about how, and I was 35 years old at the time and single. So the assumption was I'd you know, been in the workforce, I don't know, probably 10, 12, 13 years. Most of us have been in the workforce, you know, over a decade mm -hmm. at that age. And he's looking at my financial statements and he said, but your your house is rented and my car was a, a lease. It was a leased car. I didn't own the car. And and I didn't have much in the bank. And he said, he asked me why why that was the case. Trying to, I think trying to work out if I had some sort of addiction, you know, I was gambling right. the money or what, what was he trying to get to the bottom of? And I said, yeah, I, I have no assets, but I have no debt or liabilities either. I, I spend my money on a quality of life. I, I travel a lot. I see a lot of the world. Um, I spend money on on experiences, or my my money goes on experiences, not not things. And he said to me, he said, "Oh, and you're single?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Oh, oh my son lives in California, and I'm, and he's single." And I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, are you trying to hook me up with your son? And I remember it to this day, thinking, okay, but obviously I passed the test. But the thing about the um the the boot camp, so we have a week where the shortlisted people, so there's uh, 14 of us are shortlisted mm -hmm. and taken away. And and you were what, what, and you were the only woman, right? You're yeah. The only female, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, and I was the only one who was ambivalent about the job. The other the other people, <laughs> the men, desperately wanted the job. And we had one scenario. So the whole week they're just throwing scenarios at us and the panel sort of stand around the side of the room and take notes. And we, we forget that they're, they're there. You completely forget that they're watching and taking notes. And one of the scenarios they gave us was we had to, there were seven values and there were things like loyalty, in, in, innovative, hardworking, um, integrity, and you had to pick which value was the most important to you. And then you had to stand up and convince the other 13 people why your value was the most important. Mm. And straight away, I thought, I actually don't have the right to do that. If I pick um, integrity and you pick loyalty, I have no right to say to you, no, you, you know, you're joking, aren't you? How can how can loyalty be number one? And I I thought so. I didn't I didn't do that. I stood up and I said, look, I picked uh, integrity. I can understand why some of you picked loyalty or some of you picked hardworking. And and I had this moment. The penny dropped. That was the moment where I thought that's how you recruit for empathy. You put someone in a situation where they need to demonstrate it. So it was never about convincing the others that you were right. It was about having the empathy and the the kindness to say, look, I believe this, I appreciate that you believe something different, but this is how I feel and this is why. 
And yet other members of the, the, the team, other people who were competing for the job were really aggressive, were really, you can't mm -hmm. say, you can't say, that's number one, that's ridiculous. And I had to, that was the moment the penny dropped where I thought there, there's no question you can ask someone to, to demonstrate integrity. The best thing to do is to put them in a situation where they need to demonstrate integrity mm -hmm. or need to no, demonstrate empathy. And so that was the moment I'm like, wow. So that's that's what this little activity is about. It's not about convincing. It's about empathy and and reasoned argument and, and being able to state your position without upsetting someone else and using using words rather than emotion. And so, yeah, that was the moment I thought, wow, that that that's pretty clever. <laughs> <laughs> and so, the, so we, you, you got there. You you got the position, um, and you show up. And then one of the things that stood out again, there was a couple chapters and a couple. Uh, stories that you relate is that you're delivered um, 17 people. You're delivered a team. Uh, I think it was 17 people. Yeah. Um, that you had basically no input on who you selected. So you're you're, which happens every single day here. So again, some great stories. Uh, uh, but you're you know you're in isolation you're you're in antarctica you can't go to hr and say hey can you help me out with this let's do, you know let's do a training exercise you're you're it you're the leader yeah and that was the extraordinary part and that happens you know in my career certainly it's happened every job i've had i've been given a team the difference was this time the team our, our lives relied on our teamwork like our very survival would be dependent on us working as a team and we were just so different we had a 24 year old who was into that um death metal music that really loud death metal thrash <laughs> music and he's he's living with a 64 year old grandfather you know i had um i had married single gay straight i had different cultures mm -hmm. i had different religions i had uh we're going to talk about that i mean your, your stories about diversity and inclusion or your perspective on that is, is the next part of this as well, well but, yeah. yeah and and it was our get to know you barbecue when I, I when i had this epiphany that wow we are so different and i'd never experienced that kind of diversity because when you you know you work in a normal office you have people similar to you or similar interests but this was this was like someone had got a net and scooped up one sample of every type of person in society and thrown them together and the, actually the biggest challenge for me was actually cognitive diversity. So it was my electrical engineer from Germany living with my plumber from a little country town in Australia called Mudgee and they would, they would clash and it was just because the, the electrical engineer was very precise and very exact and that's, you know, culturally that's part mm -hmm. of German culture but equally engineers have a very precise, they need to be precise, they have a very precise brain. Yeah. Whereas tradespeople are dealing with estimates and approximates and quotations and guesses, and Australia is a very laid-back culture. Mm -hmm. a, lot, you know, a lot of humour is very important right. to Australians. So to put these two together, and that was the moment where I thought, oh gosh, the, the, these two will, will kill each other. And my job here is to try and create a culture where we work as a team. And that was the moment where I, I decided that respect trumps harmony. That was the moment where I thought, we won't see eye to eye all the time. We won't always love each other. We won't always like each other, and we didn't. We still don't all like each other, but we we will always treat each other with respect on my watch. And so that was the rule: respect. We will always respect each other. And it took a lot. It took away a lot of that politics. Like I, I watch world events now, and a lot of it is mm. difference of opinion. Mm. And it's you know once you take it away that and say, look, you're entitled to your different opinion. 
that's okay. I respect you have a different opinion, but it takes the heat out. So it was really interesting with this team. They were incredibly different, incredibly different. Yeah, it was an experience. Yeah, I love that. And and again, the the cognitive diversity, um, the term stood out to me. Um, so often uh, when we talk about diversity, we're, you know, we're talking about race and gender and color um, and, you know, even personality types and age. Uh, but the, the cognitive diversity is is goes across boundaries. I mean, there is no limit to that, uh, as the example you just gave between a plumber and electrical engineer. Mm, and and that was the toughest part. That we, and I actually had to take those two aside after the, the get to know your barbecue, because um, the, the plumber was telling a story about being, I think, in Alaska or Canada, and he said, "Oh, it was so cold. You'd put the water." Put your foot on the on the puddle and the water would freeze under your foot and it must have been at least so in in celsius it must have been at least minus 21 degrees and the electrical <laughs> engineer was standing there and he said well water freezes at zero degrees celsius so it must have been at least zero degrees celsius <laughs> not minus 21 degrees and i'm like oh my god and that was the moment that was the moment i started to realize that cognitive diversity would be my biggest challenge and it was fascinating to i had to take them aside and i had to say to to the plumber, he's not trying to take the mickey out of you. He's not trying to make it laugh at you. His brain needs facts and data. So he's just, when he hears incorrect data, he needs to correct it. He's not trying to make you look stupid. But I then had to go to the engineer and say, hey, when you do that, when you correct someone and it's just a story or it's just a joke, it's actually a little bit humiliating and disrespectful. So just, you know, let it go. It's not important. Let it go. And it was really, yeah, so I hadn't anticipated that that cognitive difference would be my biggest challenge. And it was overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly difficult. And and again, in today's uh, certainly divided world, especially in the U.S. Uh, with politics and everything's going on, but across the world. Uh, but, it, it, you know, the, the, your, your book, the title, um, I, I think I said this to you to before, uh, Respects Trump's Harmony uh, is, uh, you know, I don't know if, Obviously, this this was an evolution. You, you thought about these things way back when, but the timing couldn't be better, you know, for that right now. I mean, it's it's just perfect. Uh, and we're we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how that could apply, uh, especially in the in this world coming out of the pandemic uh, with the team building. And uh, I know you have a couple tips. Uh, you got a couple tools that that you can provide to everyone. Uh, so I, we want to thank everybody uh, again. You're listening to the. Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. I'm with my guest, uh, Rachel Robertson, uh, who is uh, calling in, or actually is uh, living in Australia, uh, but she had been a station leader in Antarctica. Uh, can't say that, Antarctica. Um, I'll say that three times fast, uh, but she had been there, and uh, we're, we're hearing all about her story and her journey, uh, and so many uh, applications, and she's the author of a new book, uh, is a Respect Trump's harmony. Uh, we are going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai, that's XOR.ai, and Success Performance Solutions. Stay right where you are, and we'll be back in less than two minutes. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai.
Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf. I'm here with my guest, Rachel Robertson, uh, the author of the new book, Respect Trump's Harmony. And I can't think of anything more relevant uh, than that, especially if you're living in the U.S. and in the heart of politics, uh, the way things are going on in the U.S. and uh, worldwide uh, with the pandemic, uh, race, um, just a lot of cultural differences um, national, nationalistic differences uh, that are going on and uh, so many great lessons. So, Rachel, when we left off, uh, we were talking about uh, one is your journey uh, being handed 17 people, all very diverse. Uh, let me just see if I can pull this up. I love this this list and I'll probably use it somewhere just to describe different diversities because we so often isolate that to race uh, or gender or, yeah. or or ethnicity. And, and again, especially in the headlines today in the U.S. are pretty harsh. Um, but even education, you know, somebody graduating from a trade school to uh, having a Ph.D., multiple degrees, yeah. thinking styles, conflict, how di- diversity of conflict handling, uh, diversity of generations, diversity of relationship status, of family responsibilities, sexual orientation, introvert versus extrovert. You hear that all the time. Um, and then, uh, as we were ethnic backgrounds, and we were talking about right before then, uh, I, I love that cognitive diversity. Um, you know, again, you're handed this mix of people. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a shopping list, wasn't it? It was like yeah. someone, but that actually came to me later on. Like when I met the team, I think it's, it's natural. I look for similarities and I saw a lot of similarities. And then it was only as I got to know them, I realised, wow, we are really, really different. And it really was like a, a checklist, like someone had given me one of this and one, and one of that. And it was those things that I'd never thought of before that I needed to factor in. So people who had elderly parents that they were responsible for looking mm-hmm. after or people who had young children, they will, would approach this expedition quite differently to me as a single person with both my parents at the time, you know, healthy and I didn't have children. So my, uh, the way I approached the expedition would be different to someone who would, who'd had some responsibility back home and they'd be constantly thinking about their children or their, their partner. And so that was a real, wow. And even, even the, the rationale for people working in Antarctica, and this is similar, I guess, to the United States Antarctic program, that that people work there for different reasons. And some people work there like I I did for the experience. Uh, Some people actually work there to get out of a relationship or a situation. And then there's a third group that work there in Australia, particularly for the money. It's a a well-paid job. Mm -hmm. And it's it's an easy lifestyle. I mean, the, the, the environment's harsh, but I think 
most of us have, having been through lockdown now will, will this will resonate that the one thing in lock, lockdown that stands out or one of the things that stands out you don't need to be rushing around anywhere. You don't have to commute into work. You don't have to have a wedding on the weekend that I need to buy a present <laughs> for. You don't have to take kids to sport. You don't have, you know, all that's gone. It's just a very simple, you're in your house and you work and you watch a TV show and that's pretty much and your life. On, and we go on Zoom a lot. <laughs> I go on Zoom a lot. And that's, well, actually in um, the Antarctic stations, and this is the same with the US stations, we don't we don't even have Zoom. So I'm sure there's right. people listening now who are going, oh, this is sounding better and better. Um, <laughs> we, we don't have any kind of video conferencing because we need to use the bandwidth for up, uploading science data mm -hmm. at any time. So we're, it's wow, actually banned. It's banned. Any kind of you know, Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, any of those platforms are, are banned across the continent. So, and that's an interesting thing in itself that all of the news you get will be filtered through either email or if you're talking on the phone to someone. So you've got no concept of the, the size and scale. The people living down there today will have heard about the COVID-19 outbreak, but they won't have any real concept of the mm. scale and the size because if they choose not to know, you don't have a TV on or you don't have a radio, you don't have that media coverage around the clock like we do back home. So it's a fascinating thing to come back to the real world uh, and you hear about all these big things that happened during the year and you're like, wow, I kind of read read about that in an email, one one or two lines in an email, but I had no idea how huge that was. And it's a, it's a bizarre place to live. So with with all those things, and there's a couple of thoughts going through my head. Uh, obviously, we've we talked about diversity. Uh, we, you know, we've tried uh, there was a big U.S. Uh, Supreme Court ruling yesterday. We're still struggling with, uh, you know, being inclusive. I mean, pe so people say, oh, we're diverse and they meet the quotas. They meet those numbers. Uh, but you had a pretty clear you, you had a really easy distinction uh, to describe the difference between diversity and inclusion. Can you share that? Yes, yeah, so diversity is all the ingredients in your recipe and inclusion is the cake. Or, or another way of looking at it is diversity being invited to the dance and inclusion is being asked to dance. And I think the bottom line with all of this diversity is is this this a kind of need people feel a need to convince someone or bring them around to their way of thinking or tell them they're wrong or try and challenge and it's and it's you know crazy. Let, let it go. It doesn't affect you. No, like respect. Just respect their different. Respect the difference. And diversity is awesome. I mean, the, the research overwhelmingly shows that if you have a diverse team, you'll have a much better outcome. And mm -hmm. even outside the research, it just it's logical, isn't it? That if you have six different experiences and and brains, and different people coming at a problem, you will get a much well thought out solution with different. You'll go through all of the different scenarios from those different perspectives. That's a much better outcome than having six people who are all the same colour, um, race, religion, gender experience sitting there trying to solve a problem. They'll all come to the same same result. Yeah, but I, but I think you're, what you're saying is, and and I and it just there's just a lot of clarity that came to me over the last few weeks, uh, especially with all the the, uh, the the racial the social crisis going on in the U.S is that the that diversity is really an ingredient of inclusivity or of inclusion that people were trying to work toward that uh, instead they they worked on the shopping list you know it's like people plan their wedding but they don't plan their marriage uh, they, they you know yeah. They, they yeah they they put all that together all that time they got focused in and they got all the details down and it's like okay now we're married 
what? Oh, we, we forgot to figure out that there's enough closet space, <laughs> you know, or, you know, when we eat or the foods we like or, or sharing our life together or how we raise our kids. I mean, all the parts of the marriage, everybody planned the wedding, but they didn't plan the marriage. Uh, so, you, you know, you, again, you talked about going to the dance. I love that. I mean, it's uh, like is getting invited to the dance is one thing. Getting invited to dance, <laughs> you know, actually getting invited to dance is another uh, so diversity almost seems that it's a stepping stone. It's it's part of an agreement. And instead of talking about diversity, we should be talking about inclusivity because we can't get to inclusivity if you don't have diversity. That's right. It's exactly, it's a great way to look at it. I like that that analogy of the, the wedding and the marriage. And inclusivity is the outcome. That's what we want. We want that outcome. We want an inclusive society where people are respected mm -hmm. and valued, full stop. Uh, so none of the irrespectives, none of the but people are just respected and valued, full stop. To get to that outcome, we need all of these ingredients. We need all, you know, our recipe has to be full. And it's, it's yeah. looking at the recipe and saying, well, we might not have self-raising flour. Let's try and find some plain flour or let's, you know, try and find some yeah. bran flour or whatever, whatever. It's about saying that's great. You know, we need those different, we need that difference to, to get to that outcome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. So the sort of the elephant in the room is obviously you you were not only one of the thir 13 people I think you said were invited to um to to the interview but you were the only woman and then you were a female leader. So in addition to that um how, were there other females on the team uh and how did they did you re I guess the other question did you replace a male leader in that and and what was that transition like? Yes, so I was only the second female leader at I was at Davis Station was the name of it, and I was the second woman to lead there. And in my team of eight, 18 of us, so there was myself and three other women, which was extraordinary because that's never happened before. It actually hasn't mm. happened since uh, in the 15 years since. Mm. It hasn't wow. happened since. Let's talk about diversity here. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? And and I was conscious that, I, you know, I was leading mostly men, a large team of men. And in summer, I had 120 people and over 100 were male. So it was, it's an incredibly male-dominated industry. And that's largely because it's um, trades-based. So uh, you've got, you know, electricians, carpenters, plumbers, and that's, you know, tends, to, tends towards a more male uh, workforce. So it was fascinating. And I, I had a really, and that was interesting learning for me as well, that my antenna for that kind of misogyny is pretty sharp and I've worked in as a park ranger I've been one of the first female rangers here in Melbourne in Australia so I had a pretty finely tuned antenna for any kind of misogyny or any men making some thinly veiled kind of sledge and I thought I was pretty good but in uh, in our fire training we had an incident so we have to learn how to be firefighters because there's no firefighting team down there and again it was the the engineer the electrical electrical engineer from germany um asked a question of me in during our firefighting training and i my, my radar picked it up my radar went wow he actually doesn't want to report to a woman and so I, I took him aside to discuss it and to say if you find you can't report to a woman then we can talk about putting you onto one of the other expedition teams because we had three teams because i won't tolerate that kind of behavior because as we said at, at the start i can't get rid of these people i have no ability to sanction them i have no ability to send them home or stand them down once we're there we're there and i wanted to <laughs> weed out i wanted to weed out all these people before we got there but it turns out what it was with him was he needed perfect information so he was challenging me all the time and I thought 
oh, he's challenging me because I'm I'm a woman. And that, that was my initial thinking. But when I got to know him better, it was actually he was challenging me because his brain required perfect information. And all it took was me to say, you, you won't always have 100% information. Sometimes you have to make a call with 80% information, particularly in an emergency. You can't stand around waiting in a fire, waiting for the, the 100% information. You've got to act. You've got to get in there and do something. And once I explained that to him and realised it was actually his cognitive difference, it was his thinking, it was the way his brain operated. He wasn't challenging me because I was a woman. He was challenging me because his brain... He challenged the man. Brain. Yeah, he would challenge, he would challenge, challenge anybody. Brain. Hey, challenge, and that was, challenge yeah, the plumber, right? Spot on. And that was really good for me to learn, to actually go, okay, you know, step step down now. <laughs> I can I can calm down a bit now. Well, it wasn't that at all. So that was a really good lesson for me too in appreciating diversity and, and knowing I bring my own bias, as we all do, bring our own biases to situations. Well, and it's an incredibly powerful lesson today. Again, um, you know, we've we've got we've had riots in the streets, um, you know, especially with the, what the police are doing in the U.S. Um, you know, and not every when I say police, not not every every policeman's bad, but there's obviously a lot of insights. And then there's that immediate response: is it just happened because he was white or because he was black? And uh, again, it's it's maybe there's just evil people. They don't care what color you are. Um, but the, the, the fact is that happened to be a victim that happened to be black. I'm not making light of that. Um, but, you know, there's there's that immediate reaction uh, or that because they're white, you know, they wouldn't treat the same people. And maybe they would. Maybe they do that all the time. But it gets highlighted, you know, out there in those situations. And I think it's important not only to understand to walk in the other pe- person's shoes, but sometimes it's important to step back in your own shoes and, and basically look at it a lot differently. Uh, than it was. Uh, so, there's so so many important lessons. And again, I can talk to you forever, uh, but unfortunately, we've 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 got a time limit. Uh, so th- there's there's kind of transferring all that. And again, so so relevant. And people can go to your book, and and there again, tons of tons of lessons there. Uh, but you you also had some tips. And, and again, we 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 hooked up because of being in Antarctica. Uh, you were you were basically quarantined. <laughs> You know, you, you gave a lot of the stories and there's many people that are in isolation now. Uh, we're coming out of it, but we may end up be back into it shortly if people don't behave properly. Um, there were a couple of lessons and you offered three tools, kind of a pathway uh, to help people get there. So um, very clever. Uh, kind of you want to share the three tools yeah. with everyone or what they can use? The one that really changed my life, which I wish I had known 20 years ago, is no triangles. And so no triangles is just I don't speak to Ira about you or you don't speak to me about him. If you have something to say to someone, you go directly to the person. You don't take it to a third party. So no triangles. And it changed my life because what happened was those conversations are exhausting. They are so exhausting. And it's just someone complaining and moaning and whinging and they don't want you to do anything. They're just, you know whinging and complaining okay. and and I I knew in Antarctica that I had to go and spend time with my good people and and tell them you're great and keep them you know you want to retain your talent so you know you need to go and spend time with your talented people and and go and say you're doing great I was so darn tired from those conversations I didn't have the energy to do that so as soon as I implemented no triangles with the team it freed up my time and energy to go and see my good people and it was just a matter of getting everyone together and say hey guys how how are we going to build respect and trust in this 
this team, you know, tough environment. Let's have no triangles. Let's have direct conversations. Hey, put your hand up if you agree. Yep, everyone's hand went up. The next time someone came to me and tried to engage me in it, I would say, hang on, hang on. I saw you put your hand up and commit to no triangles. So why are you talking to me? Why aren't you talking to him directly? And it's such a powerful tool now in lockdown because um, we're under enough stress. And when you're under enough stress, the last thing you need to be doing is listening to that kind of conversation. So I, I urge people to implement no triangles with themselves in their families, in their workplaces. And equally, when you come out of isolation, get back to the workplace, it's a simple tool that you can use to build respect in a team. I, I, don't, one, I, I just want to stop you there for a minute because it just yeah. brought back a thought. 25 years ago, when I started this business, I was exposed to something. It was from a sales training thing. It was I, I was actually, I, I shared the same space and they talked, I, I don't, I have to go back and look and see if it was real. They called it about, it was Cartman's, Cartman's Triangle. And the, the analogy that are, they, they did something similar. And, but what they talked about was, you know, you have two parents that stay together until the child goes home or, or child leaves home. Mm-hmm. So the child grows up, he's 18 or 19 years old. And all of a sudden the, the parents now can't stand each other and they could never stand each other. But what they did was they directed all the conflict to that third person. Because yeah. you were able to, you were able to talk about that third person. It happens in families all the time. It happens at work, and then they get rid of the third trying, the third point on the triangle, and now they have to find. They either have to fight with each other or live with each other, or they have to find somebody else to be the third point. So you 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 yeah. live in all these dynamics. So you're just basically getting rid of the rule. <laughs> off the bat and go, we just don't have triangles. Yeah, yeah. We, we're just straight up. We go and talk to the person because when I said it out loud at the time, someone came and complained and said, oh, he, he did this to me. And I said, do you want me to talk to him about it? Is that why you're telling me? And he said, no, I just want you to know. And I actually said out loud, I said, but if you don't talk to him and I don't talk to him, he's never going to know. So nothing will change. So we will have this conversation next week. And then in my head, I've gone, oh, my goodness, I'm here for 52 weeks. I'll have this conversation. <laughs> Times and there's 17 of them. Yeah, the permutation. Yeah, no triangles. triangles. But that was the first I thought of that in a long time. And I have to go back and look. I I don't even know if somebody made it up or it's actually a a, some type of model. But I mean, the model works, but I don't know if somebody gave it the name. Anyway, so you have two more rules. So we got the no triangles. Yeah, the second one is um, the bacon war. And the bacon war legitimately was a a fight over whether bacon should be soft or crispy. And the team, (laughs) they they wanted me to call a meeting to make. I'll make the call. And it was only one day a week. So the rest of the time we have a, a professional chef who will cook for us, but they, the chef has to have a, a day off. So on that morning, we share the load. And the plumbers were cooking it soft and the diesel mechanics were cooking it crispy and they wanted to have a meeting to decide. But when I got to the bottom of it, I found out the relationship between the two teams had broken down over the use of a vehicle. And so what had happened, they they thought the other team was deliberately cooking the bacon the opposite way just to irritate them. And I'm like, wow, this has actually got nothing to do with bacon. It's about respect. They're feeling disrespected. It's manifested in the bacon, but they're feeling disrespected. So I started to identify all these little things that happen at work and at home that irritate us. And it's because they're a symptom of a deeper issue. And the deeper issue is that lack of respect. And so in isolation, again, these things will be highlighted because we're already like a giant nerve ending. We're already under stress. These little things will blow up. And it's things like at work, it's things like people who are constantly late for meetings and, and let people wait for them. 
or it's um, the classic one. We've done research on this. The classic one is is people who leave dirty coffee mugs or dirty mm-hmm. dirty staff tea rooms, and there's a sign saying your mother doesn't work here. Put your dishes in the dishwasher, right. and it's like it's nothing to do with dishes. It's about respect because it implies my time's more important than your time. And another one of cla- a classic one that happens in families, uh, and even in sales teams or teams where they they share a car share a vehicle it's someone who takes that vehicle out and brings it back without any fuel in it they don't go go to the gas station and fill it up and you jump in the car and you look and and the fuel tank's empty and and i had that for years with one of my teams and it was only when i stopped talking about the gas and the fuel and talked about respect that the behavior changed because i said when you bring that car back empty you're implying my time's more important than your time and that's why it irritates people so certainly take care of the bacon wars identify what these little things are and and particularly as we return back to the workplace it's a great time to draw a line in the sand and say look beforehand this was the bacon war this was the little thing we all talked about because it drove us crazy from today on it's a new horizon let's let's not do that anymore so yet you've got to take you've got to solve the bacon war (laughs) Uh, so no triangles, no bacon walls. Yeah, and the third one is, uh, I, I say, lead without a title. And that was, we, we had a plane crash in Antarctica and I had to lead the search and rescue. And anyway, mm. on, on one day, day three of the search and rescue, we hadn't eaten. The certain re- rescue team hadn't eaten all day. We'd missed lunch, we'd missed dinner. And the dining room was shut at 7 p.m. So 10 o'clock at night, I said, come on, we've got to go and have a sandwich or have something to eat. We haven't eaten all day. And I walked into the dining room and somebody had plated up six meals and put cling film over the top and a little note with our names on it, the individual names of all the search and rescue team members. And I went and found the person and I said, that is amazing leadership. I said, thank you. And she said, oh, I'm not the team leader. Rick is the team leader. And I said, that's a title. That doesn't make you a leader. I said, leadership isn't a title. Leadership Mm -hmm. is seeing something that needs to be done and doing something about it. You saw something that needed to be done and you just did it, that's leadership. And I know it was a small thing in the, in the scheme of a search and rescue for the lives of four people, it was a small thing, but that's what leadership is. And again, in our current day, um, anyone creating that culture where people will speak up and take responsibility and do something, or if you've got a great idea, I wanna hear it. You know, If you see something that needs to be done, do something about it and create that culture of leadership is a behavior. It's not a title and it, it does a few things. It, it, makes everyone feel included and inclusive, like they have a voice, but it also takes pressure off the leader because we're in this together. It's not just me bearing all that responsibility. All of us are in this this team. So that was a really handy tool. And, and my team, they knew I was very clear that I'd, I'd make, ultimately I'd make all the important decisions as the leader, that's my job. But I expected all of them to demonstrate leadership because it was a behavior or it is a behavior. It's not a title. So many great lessons. Uh, The book is Respect Trump's Harmony uh, from Rachel Robertson. Uh, Again, I can talk to you all day. Uh, (laughs) And we we didn't even, I mean, I have literally a list of saying, oh, that's the topic. That's what we need to talk about. That's what we need to talk about. (laughs) Uh, But they're all in Respect Trump's Harmony. And also uh, your first, your earlier book, which was Leading on the Edge, uh, which sort of led up to this, but uh, especially in today's uh, the timing just couldn't be more perfect for uh, Respect Trump's Harmony. How can people get a hold of you uh, or, and where can they get the book? The book's available on Amazon and the best way to get hold of me is through my website, which is just rachelrobertson.com. I do a lot of, I've got a full broadcast studio at home now, so I'm doing a lot of mm. uh, keynotes remotely, virtually. So I'm happy to come and talk to any teams or anyone who's bringing a team back and wants a few ideas about how do I 
get this team assimilated back into this new crazy world. And I can certainly share some of my experience of returning from Antarctica and what hit me, some of the things that really hit me that I wasn't prepared for and, and in hindsight should have been. So, yeah, they give, drop me a line at rachelrobertson.com and I'd love to, to chat to anyone who's around. And for everyone out there, whether you're working for remote or you're, you're back in the office or things are, are turning to, to, to normal, uh, I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the term VUCA, V-U-C-A, Rachel? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, I mean, I, that's basically what my TED Talk was about. That's what my book was about, um, you know, and, and from a kind of a work uh, aspect, uh, but certainly living in a volatile, uncertain uh complex and ambiguous world. I mean, you talked about the ambiguity. Sometimes one is we can't be perfect. We can't get all the information um, and we, we have to make decisions. Uh, that's going to be here for forever. I mean, we're, we're going to literally be living in this VUCA world. So uh, yeah. again, um, we, we need to respect other people's roles and participate. And, uh, you know, more than the harmony, we need respect. So absolutely spot on. I, I appreciate it very much. Uh, hey, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. I'm your host, Ira Wolf. Uh, we, you can find us uh, each week, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, w4cy.com, on, uh, and listen to the Geek Skeezers Googleization show. And uh, you can also listen to all the replays on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, you name it, we're there. Uh, until next week, Geek Skeezers Googleization with Ira Wolf and my co-host Keith Compagna, who wasn't here today. Don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>